Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Everybody. Yay, there I am. Well, here we are into our third week of uh, looking at grown-up prayers. And um, we have been unpacking the Lord's Prayer over the last few weeks and realising that it's a little bit more sophisticated than once we, what we first thought. We have been discovering that it is a bit of a blueprint for prayer rather than just a prayer that we recite off the top of our heads from memory. In the first week, Josh covered the Our Father in Heaven, Hallowed Be Your Name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then last week, Daryl summarised uh, the give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Oh, I've mixed the two together, didn't I? <laughs> and he uh, went through and summarised uh, it under two terms, um, provision and pardon. And today I'm going to focus on the third P, which is protection. So I'm going to be looking at the verse where it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But before I get started, would you please pray with me? Father, we dedicate this time to learning more about you and the prayer that you taught us to pray. Help us to be open to your word and your spirit working in our hearts. May the words that I speak be a reflection of your will for our lives. Amen. Well, my husband and I um, have a shared passion for hiking and the outdoors. As much as we, we don't get to do it as much as we would like, but in the past, pre-COVID, we came across an um, activity called row gaming. Now, I, anyone know what row gaming is? A couple of people, awesome. Um, it's a little bit like orienteering. And the idea is that you try and you've got a fixed set amount of time, say the most extre extreme is like between 24 and 48 hours. Um, Sometimes you, it's just three hours. And the idea is that you've got to try and visit all these different controls around a set area and try and accumulate as many points as you can in that time. Um, our preferred option to do is called the roving eight hours, where in about 15 hours, you've got, a, you've got eight hours to go hiking around the countryside we like to split it up into four hours pools. So four hours we go out, come back, have dinner, sleep, 
and then go out again in the morning for another four hours. And sometimes in that time, we can walk like up to 20 to 24 kilometers. Um, and we have, um, in doing so, we've seen some amazing countryside. Uh, we've been up north um, and seen the Bendelby Ranges. Uh, we've been to Almerta Station and Hallowellina Station. So these are all areas up north um, around Carradon, Hawker, that sort of area. So, but when it comes to navigating, I am a bit of that stereotype of you don't trust me to navigate. Um, which way's that's south, yeah? <laughs> um, so Adam, he was he did scouting when he was younger and um, with his keen sense of direction and his navigation skills, uh, he is the one that will plan out our course and lead us on our merry little way. Um, <clears throat> sorry. In doing so, I put complete, my complete trust in him. Um, he is the one that I trust that he is leading us in the right direction. He is my guide. He is leading us around obstacles. He avoids areas that are too steep for us, making sure that my little legs can keep up with his much larger stride. Without him, I would be completely and utterly lost. He leads me, and I have to trust that he is not going to lead us through some impassable terrain or over the edge of a cliff. And I trust that he will lead us within our limits to our destination. So where are we going with this? In the first week of the series, we learnt from Josh about, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And he replied with, but when you pray. And then he told them how to pray and how not to pray. He said, don't pray um, to impress God because he isn't impressed. Don't go on and on and on and on and on about what you need. Because guess what? God knows what you want before you ask him. Which can actually lead us to be a little bit confused. Why do we need to pray to God if he already knows what we need? Well, according to Jesus, the purpose of prayer is not to inform God of what we want or what we wish, and he's not some cosmic Santa listening, you know, waiting for us to tick off a list. The purpose of prayer is to align our will with God's will. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not impose it. The purpose of prayer is to say to God, I trust you with my life. You know what I need, and I trust that you will provide. Martin Luther divided the Lord's Prayer into seven 
petitions. Three that focus on God and who he is, and another four that are about us. And it's no accident that the first three are about God. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 11 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is instructing us to pause and acknowledge who we are addressing. The great God that has no equal and no rival. Both who is, he who is both infinite and intimate. And the one that gives meaning and provides context to our lives. We should really be spending time on these three petitions to God. We are requesting that his will be done in our lives, not ours. In doing so, we are aligning our heart to say, not what I want, God, but what you want. Your will be done right here, right now, in my life. Now, this is really hard. It's not easy. Life is throwing stuff at us constantly. You need the newest phone. You need to watch that latest series on Netflix. You need to have a house to show that you've made it in life. You need a six-figure salary. You need to go on that big fancy holiday with a cruise through all the, those fancy Rhine rivers and all that sort of jazz in Europe. You need, you need, you need. But what we really need is Jesus. We should continue to petition and pray to God until we get to a point where we can say with all sincerity, your will, God, not mine. So that was the first three petitions, sort of summarising what everyone sort of said previously. The next four petitions can be summarised with give us today. Give us today a brand new car. Give us today a big house with a swimming pool and a private jet. Oh, and while you're at it, that theme park over there looks really nice. But no, that's just a little bit silly. Jesus is actually instructing us to ask for three specific things. He clearly tells us to ask for provision, pardon, and protection. Daryl covered provision and pardon last week, and I encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, to go back and listen to his message on YouTube or on the um, podcast. As he explained, provision is about giving us our daily bread, but it's a little bit more than that. It's, it's providing us with the things that we need, like a roof over our head, clothes on our bodies. And then pardon, which is forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, as we forgive our debtors. This is that, that petition is the only one that has a bit of a condition to it. We must pray for help to forgive others. Otherwise, we'd be a bit of a hypocrite. 
And that's the last thing that we want to be. I actually found this quite challenging last week when Daryl brought this up, and it really caused me to stop and think and search my heart. Who in my life do I need to forgive? If we ask for forgiveness but won't ask to forgive others, Jesus says that we're not forgiven. We're still guilty. We're guilty of not forgiving. And this sounds a little bit harsh until we realize what it means when we don't forgive. People who choose not to forgive hold on to hurt. They hold on to pain. We become bitter and resentful and that does not lead us to a happy and fulfilled life. It actually leads us to sin more. Forgiveness is good for you, it's good for me, and it's good for all of us and our relationships. Your heavenly Father wants what is good for you, so he insists that we eat all our vegetables, including the broccoli and the Brussels sprouts, and that we forgive others. So in a nutshell, that's our provision and pardon. But last but not least, we have protection, which includes two petitions. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, are the two. So why is it that we have to ask that God doesn't lead us into temptation? What are we really asking when we pray this? Temptation, in a biblical sense, is a situation in which one experiences a challenge to choose between obedience or disobedience to God. At its core, temptation is acknowledging that we may be presented with a choice that can lead to sin. Temptation is seeing those clothes on sale that you don't really need and sin is putting them on the credit card when you know you shouldn't. Temptation may be noticing the appearance of a particular person and sin is admiring and lusting after that person and acting upon that lust. Temptation may be the opportunity to listen to some juicy office gossip. Sin is joining in on that gossip or not suggesting that those people shouldn't gossip. Lead us not into temptation. James chapter 1, verses 14 to 15 says, But each person is tempted away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. We know that temptation leads to sin, and sin can lead us away from a life with God a life away from his promises of security and peace. It's almost as if we should be really saying, God, 
When we are presented with a choice to obey or disobey you, help us choose to obey. But it doesn't say that. It says, lead us not into temptation. And I must say, this has always confused me a little bit. Why would we have to pray, lead us not into temptation? God's not going to lead us into temptation. So why do we need to say, don't lead us into temptation? God being who he is, would never lead us into temptation. As pointed out in James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It is not in God's holy nature to tempt us. Harmatiology, which is a branch of Christian theology that studies sin, describes sin as where am I? Describes sin as an act of offence against God by despising his persons and Christian biblical law and by injuring others. Augustine of Hippo, I fell down into a big Wikipedia hole. Augustine of Hippo, considered to be one of the most important of the church fathers, defined sin as a word, deed, or desire in opposition to the eternal law of God. Therefore, it is impossible for God to sin or cause someone to sin because it is in opposition to himself. It would literally be God making us do something on purpose to make us upset him. Which is, when you try and think about and process that, that's really quite ridiculous. Do we as parents purposefully trick our children into doing something bad to upset us just so that we can punish them? Of course not. We only want the best for our children. And we look to the perfect Father, God, as our example. The whole idea of God tempting us to sin goes against the whole purpose of sending Jesus to die for us in the place of the punishment that we deserved. Why would he send his son to die for us if he was only going to make us sin more? the whole redemption process would have been pointless and we would not be sitting here today if that were the case. When presented with temptation, we need to stop and think. It is our poor decisions that cause us to sin, not God. There's also another thing to ponder. Jesus himself was tempted. We know this because of the account of Jesus being tempted in the desert by the devil, as recorded in Matthew chapter 4. But I want to ask you, is this the only time that Jesus was tempted? Possibly not. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, alludes to more occasions where Jesus was, was tempted. As it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. It says Jesus was tempted in every way. Not just in the three ways that were recorded in, in the Gospels. He was tempted in every way. Just like you and me. And he knows the difficulties that we are faced with. Because he was there. In light of this, there's the promise let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Or, as we might find ourselves, in our time of temptation. The final part of the petition is, but deliver us from the evil one. In this context, deliver means to rescue or save from danger, to liberate or redeem. How often do we fall into temptation because we don't think it's dangerous or it's not going to hurt us or it's not going to hurt anybody else? It's not going to hurt anyone, it's okay. We lead ourselves right into a big fat mess and then ask God to deliver us from evil. Worse still, we lead ourselves into temptation, fall into the trap of sin and then turn right around and blame God for the trouble that we got ourselves into. So I want you to think for a moment. What leads or who leads you into temptation? Do you lead yourself into temptation? Why do you lead yourself there again and again? The answer, most often than not, can be summarised in two words. Self-gratification and self-preservation. Why? Because we're scared. We're fearful of what people will think of us, or we've been hurt, or we're worried about being hurt. We want to impress people because we think everybody else has it all sorted out with their nice, perfect car, their Instagram pages, their Facebook feed, everybody's smiling and happy families, their big house those expensive overseas holidays, that superannuation fund that just keeps seeming to giving them more and more money. We end up chasing self-preservation and self-gratification and find that we keep chasing our tails, trying to keep up with the Joneses and always feeling like that we are that one step behind. 
taking our lead from self-preservation and self-gratification leads us into temptation. We become envious and jealous of the things that other people have. We become disheartened and depressed because we haven't achieved what society tells us that we should have achieved. All of this happens because we are trying to lead ourselves or we are following the wrong thing. So we start to become to question, why am I here? What is my purpose? If we are truly praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we come to realize that we are part of that. Are we not here on earth? Are we not commissioned to go out and make disciples of all nations? When we realize that we are part of God's kingdom on earth, when we embrace your will be done, we will find that we will live for more than just ourselves. There are literally a few thousand people just outside those doors waiting for us to live for them, to live for Gola. When we ask Jesus to lead us, we are choosing to follow Jesus. We are saying, Jesus, we trust you. You know what is best for me. Lead me away from the things that are going to hurt me. Lead me away from causing pain to others. Lead me away from the things that are going to stop me from having a relationship with you. Lead me, Jesus. I want to follow you. When we embrace your kingdom come, your will be done way of life, we live for more than ourselves and we'll have more of ourselves to show. Jesus invites us to follow a better Lord and a better leader. He invites us to follow him. Following Jesus and embracing surrender is the alternative to being led into temptation. There is a path that delivers you from evil and it requires discipline and self-control. It requires saying yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. So what I wanted to do to finish up with you today was to provide you with an opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer. But at each point in the Lord's Prayer, after each petition, we're going to pause. Because as we've been learning, it's more of a, a guide to praying. So I'll just, as we pray... I'll pause and let you reflect on the words and have an opportunity 
to take to heart what you are saying. Not just say it just because, you know, it spills off the top of our heads, but just pausing and reflecting. And I want you to have a go this week whenever it's time for you to pray. To have a go at saying the Lord's Prayer, but slowing down and taking time. So would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For your kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen.